Hi everyone, I'm Hayley Haggerty and you're listening to In Case of an Event. According to Statista, 26 million VR and AR devices are currently owned by private consumers and as many as 5.5 million units were set to be shipped last year. This number is also expected to double to 11 million in just one year and further increase 43.5 million in 2025. It's hard to argue with these numbers that VR is just a fad. The technology has been around for decades and the coronavirus has possibly propelled these growth projections even quicker. So what does this mean for the event industry? In this episode of In Case of an Event, I'm joined by Joanna Popper, Global Head of VR for HP, where we chat about the technology itself, creative examples within event environments, and overcoming the current limitations of virtual reality. Hi, Joanna. Welcome to In Case of an Event. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Thanks for inviting me to be here today. Oh, of course. I am really excited to talk about virtual reality. I think it's perhaps an untapped technology in some of the event space. And that's why I wanted to get your insight into what we're doing with it currently and where you think it's going to go. So first and foremost, can you give our listeners a little insight into your background? What was your journey to becoming the global head of VR for HP? Uh, so yeah, so I at HP, I focus on our go-to-market initiatives for virtual reality. I've been at HP about three years now, a little over three years now, actually. In terms of you know I, where I think of I started my career around virtual reality, I worked at NBC Universal, leading marketing for one of the brands for a long time there, and then I led media and marketing at Singularity University. And the combination of those two roles and what I learned in those two roles and what I was most interested in and excited about in those two roles, I would say most led me to where I am today. You know, when I worked in television, I loved storytelling, creativity, you know, the way that you connect with consumer audiences. All of that got me really curious about what's the next platform, what's the next way we're going to be engaging with and working with our consumers. And so from there, I moved to Silicon Valley and was was heading up media and marketing in an organization that was focused on training leaders in the future of technology. The combination of those two passions and those you know, t- two interests really led me to virtual reality. I'd first tried VR in 2014. What I fell in love with about virtual reality in the industry was the idea that this is the future of computing. This is the future of how we're going to interact, connect, and create stories and engage with stories, not just in computing, but you know, in media and entertainment and in, in all the sectors that I cared most about. And so because it's still nascent as an industry, you know, as a technology, the technology has been around for a long time and there's pioneers that have been working in this field for decades. But as an industry where you have products that are available for mass markets, that you know, we're still nascent on that side. And so because it's a new and growing and up and coming industry, there's an opportunity to help shape the industry and help shape what it looks like and, and have it more impact and grow more quickly. And the growth stats are double digit growth. According to Grandview Research, the global virtual reality market size is expected to grow at a compound annual growth rate of 21.6% from 2020 to 2027. What's driving this growth? 
Well, you know, we're starting off from a small base, right? So, you know, as a nascent industry, but what's driving it, what's growing it is that, you know, there is a, this technology is so impactful and so useful to help us learn and connect and collaborate, create. And so we're seeing in, in, in many industries um, on the enterprise side, such as training, healthcare, and you know, architecture, engineering, construction, and then in education, and then in location-based entertainment, and in consumer at home, for whether it be gaming or another type of entertainment. So we're seeing real use cases and real ROI for businesses. We're seeing really compelling and entertaining experiences for people to connect. That's what's driving the growth. Yeah, the training you can do on VR is pretty amazing. So, you know, there's VR events taking place in sports and music entertainment that's pretty widespread and well-known. But for some of our listeners who work in the trade show industry, how do you see this specific subset of the event industry using VR in the future? Well, there's a, there's a lot happening, I would say, right now in the event space and virtual reality. There's conferences during, you know, during this COVID time that have looked towards VR to connect within. Um, we actually did... We did a, launches of our product in virtual reality. So we we did launch announcement in alt space with our partner Microsoft and had people tuning in, you know, coming in from around the world, and it really felt, you know, and what actually there one person said. Amazingly enough, one person said it was like, it was as good for him as when he used to go see Apple keynotes with Steve Jobs. I mean, that is very high praise. Um, and, you know, we, and we, we, it was, it was fun. We, you know, we had a stage and we had, we presented and we showed videos and we had a, we had a couple of 3D versions of the headset. And then we had a step and repeat. So you could take pictures with the headset and you could put your little avatar face inside the headset. So this is before we'd actually launched the product is when we were doing announcements. So a lot of people's avatars got to try on the headset before there before they really did and so it really created this sensation of you know like being at an event and being together with other people and you can you know you get to watch the experience you get to play with the 3d headset you can take pictures in your separate page for your social media you can walk off and have a conversation in the corner with somebody from the company or with you know another member of the press and, and chat with them so that aspect was really great because you know you have people from all around the world you know where you know coming in different time changes, different languages, and all coming together in VR and having that experience of being there, which, you know, you can also do on Zoom, certainly. But here, you know, you're, you have your fun avatar, you can walk around, you can, and, and you have a more embodied experience. You're not just like a little head, a little square in, in Zoom. You know, so those, those are some of the, the projects that we have done, you know, experiences that we have done and, and for our announcements. But I think what, what makes... VR compelling as a medium for some events. You know, there's there's a couple of things. So one is like the ability to connect with others. You know, the ability to collaborate with others, and the, even the ability to create with others, and and the ability to go and experience something that you might not might not be able to experience. So say you want to take people on a journey or show them something and have them in, either interact with that or be a part of it or collaborate with others in a, in a more meaningful way. So for example, you know, you can take them into a certain environment. You could even take them to an environment that they, that might not exist, right? So at a, you know, in a conference, you could have them come together and watch a concert 
or come together and create something using 3D asset, it, build something together. You can have them be together and dance, right? Alt, Alt Space had Burning Man early last year. So you had the sensation of being with other people. So I think what, what makes VR stand out as a, as a tool is the interactivity, the engagement, that sense of being someplace of, you know, people call presence um, and the like the embodied aspect. Yeah, I know that's a, a great explanation. So maybe for people who haven't experienced that type of environment, when you're in, say, a keynote address and you have the headset, you're watching the keynote, you're looking around, you see some people sitting with you. And you mentioned before, you can walk off and have a one-on-one meeting with someone. How does that actually work? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different programs. You know, there, you know, I can rattle off a whole bunch and still miss a bunch of them. But, there, you know, I already mentioned Altspace, um, which is owned by Microsoft. There's VR chat. There's big screen, there's rec room, there's engage, there's verbella, you know, I'm sure I'm missing tons of them. And and we've done, I've done lots of events and presentations and in all the ones that I mentioned, there's meet in VR and virtual room. I'm, I could go on and on and on, right? There's glue. Each one is slightly different, but in most of them, you know, you get to create an avatar of yourself and then you go in, you know, you go into some sort of environment and it, that environment might be Mars. The environment might be a boat. It might be a workspace where you can collaborate on something. I mean, so it really depends on what you're building and what you're creating. I think for some people, what is has been missing in some ways by, you know, this constant Zoom is like the feeling of a sort of serendipitous encounter where it's almost like we only are talking to the people you scheduled a Zoom call with. And often those Zoom calls are also fairly formal and, you know, have an agenda. What's special about a conference is not just the information that you get at a keynote, but also who do you, who do you bump into while you're walking to that keynote? Who do you bump into while you're on your way to the car? Who do you bump into while you're grabbing a quick lunch right next door, right? A lot of really great interactions and like human connection is made that way. Many of these environments start to make that feel more possible again. And so that's one thing that's special. That's first, like that sort of connectivity for people. And then another thing that is special is this ability to work with, say, 3D assets or to do something together. So, you know, if you're at a conference, if you want to show somebody something in 3D or create something together in 3D. So if you say you're working on a product design or you're working on, you know, you want to show people what this new construction is going to look like or what this new product is going to look like. You're able to do that in a much more compelling way than in some other tools that are flat. And in today, when we're not able to go like all be 3D together in the in the real world, so to speak, VR is, is providing that in, in some cases for us. I was actually just going to ask that, how has the pandemic propelled that type of 3D environment are more people utilizing VR? Absolutely. You know, the numbers have certainly grown, grown a lot. And and even, even you know, there, there's a level of supply constraint that you saw all through 2020 and, and even somewhat into 2021, you know, also caused by the pandemic. The interest in virtual reality during this time has been greatly accelerated. There were a lot of trends that we see that were coming. 
they just now came faster because of the pandemic. What would you say the biggest challenges are using virtual reality in an an event setting? Well, the biggest challenge is just that not everyone has a headset today. So like, like the pure logistics of it, right? You know, sometimes people say, why isn't VR taking off during COVID? I would say, well, it is like, look at the numbers, you know, the numbers are up, the numbers of headsets that people have are up. If you talk to a lot of developers, their numbers are up because more people have headsets and more people are downloading their experiences and then using their experiences, right? So, but that said, you know, the day in March of 2020, that people were sent home from work and sent home from school, the numbers of people that had computers that they could access versus the number of people that had VR headsets they could access, you know, clearly was in favor of having computers that they could access. The PC became essential in 2020, right? In a way, in a very real way, you know, for something, sort of some poor thing that you want everyone to be able to access. And, and of course, there's digital divide and there's gaps in who, who ha- even has, who has access to PCs. We need, all needs to be working on as well, of course. The access for people, either through mobile phone or through computers, and then the numbers are so much higher, of course, and the penetration is so much higher than VR headsets. That is the challenge for an event, right? You can't just say to people, okay, go meet us in this VR app and assume everyone has it. Those numbers are growing. So for an event, you either need to be working with a population that actually does have headsets to do an event successfully in VR, or you need to have a mechanism to get them a headset specifically for your event, either that you're asking them as part of their ticket to get, get a headset and or there's lots of programs where you can, you can either enter on your computer or mobile phone or in a VR headset, and that creates broader access for people. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, actually. How are people currently integrating VR into their actual virtual events? I can break down sort of the buckets of types of events that I've participated in or been part of that, that I would think about how, how it has worked. So I mentioned Altspace and Burning Man, which, which had actually had been around for quite a while, but obviously there was a lot more interest in it this year. And, and some friends that I know actually bought headsets just to go to that event. Film festivals is, is a really big bucket that was very active this year. They're, they all have an immersive or new frontier arm. So everyone from South by Southwest and Tribeca and Cannes and Venice Sundance, like they all figured out ways to keep their immersive or virtual or you know VR AR content going, and and each of them used did something different. So Can last year used the Museum of Other Realities, and you could walk around on a red carpet and then watch panels inside the headset, and then you could walk into like a, a virtual room and then touch something, and then the VR content would start. It, it brought together the whole experience. The other there's other content in VR like. Venice Film Festival or Sundance Film Festival. Venice um, used VR chat for their social aspects and the panels and the brunches and the networking events, but the content was on a whole bunch of different platforms. Um, and Sundance was kind of like that too, in a way. But what was fun about Sundance is that they, they created a virtual space that you could go from a computer or a VR headset as your jumping off point. And then in that space, you had an avatar, you could walk around, you could see people, you could, could sing karaoke. I mean, and then that, that again was a jumping off point for finding out where you were going to watch each of the virtual experiences. There's concerts, there's been, you know, great concerts in VR this year with all sorts of artists. So, so entertainment, you know, a lot is happening. Um, and then, of course, on the gaming side, there is you know, multiplayer games where you go in and you can be with other people. And then while playing the game, you can interact 
and chat and hang out. And then there's all of these other use cases where people are collaborating inside, let's build this product. Let's check out this architecture in this room and how does the lighting look? Or let's learn about medicine and let's read this radiology scan together or let's dissect something or learn about anatomy. So there's there's just a lot happening in this space right now. So whatever you know, you're working in or whatever your business use case is, there's probably something innovative and interesting and cutting edge and helping to push your business forward that you could do in virtual reality. Yeah, an exhibitor supplier at a trade show, for example, they could utilize, I can think of like factory four, virtual reality, like architecture, medical surgeries. It really does extend beyond an event. I mean, you, you know this, VR is everywhere and in every industry. When you're talking about South by Southwest or the Cannes Film Festival, how have they utilized VR technology to perhaps generate sponsorship revenue? So thinking about how, you know, how you can, how sponsors can engage with events. There's lots of different ways that events can bring their sponsors into the virtual aspect of their event, whether that be sort of mimicking how it would have been at, at a live event. So, you know, have your sponsors' logos throughout the virtual room, have your sponsors' products in 3D throughout the room, or give them their own room that people can come to and visit. We've done in our various events, step and repeats with our logos and with our products on them, and people take those pictures and post them on social media because they're because they're proud and they're excited and they actually went somewhere even if it was just virtually. And, and again, you know, it depends on what your product, what, what is your brand, what is your product, what are you creating? You can create entire experiences and really in within your brand, you know, you, with your products, with your that that might not even be you know, something that you could create in the real world because it's virtual, right? Like you can, if, you know, if your brand is about soaring to new heights, you can have people flying in virtual reality, right? If your brand is about, I don't know, floating on the clouds, I'm just making things up, you know, you can have things that can't happen, right? So, so you can do things that are, you know, mimic reality, but then you can take it to new heights and new levels, right? You can have people like they're in space. Again, you know, you want, you have to keep it on brand for whatever your brand is, or you can, you know, you can also create the feel, the ability for people to go inside the brand's world. So like, what is the factory like? What is, you know, where does the product come from? Where, you know, you know, take them into the origin story of how does the tequila get made? You know, I'm just making up things of whatever the brand is, but um, you know, for, in a, for a car, you can show them the car and all sorts of colors without having to have all that inventory in the showroom. Um, you can have them feel like they're driving along the, you know, the Capri coast in, in Italy. So there's lots of fun things that you can do for your brand. It really just depends, you know, what is your brand? What is your brand attributes? What are you, what are you wanting people to feel and experience and bring that to life in VR. All those examples are really creative. I really like the one driving down the Amalfi Coast in Italy. I could I could do that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the VR version right now. That sounds lovely. <laughs> so if you were to predict what the usability of VR is going to be, say, in the next 10 years, what do you think that growth trajectory is going to look like? Exponential. Is there any particular markets that are going to really go faster? A lot of the ones I'm talking about are the early adopters. So education, training, entertainment, or, you know, slash gaming, 
those are some of the the ones that are moving the fastest right now. Retail, I think retail will be will be a big one for VR and AR. VR and AR are seen as the future of computing, which means that they will become ubiquitous, and it will there will be a day that, that that's probably our primary way of interacting with computing, and so. That means it's really like, what do you use computing for today? Pretty much everything. That's how this technology will become in the future as well. Talking about the actual technology, your product, the HP Reverb G2 VR headset, how does that actually compare to the other products out there in the market? This is HP's third VR headset, and it's our first VR headset that we're doing together with Valve. And so we're really excited to be doing this headset together with Valve and Microsoft. This is our third headset with Microsoft. Um, And so what makes this headset especially special is that the high resolution, the screens are 2160 by 2160 per eye. So that's the highest resolution among any major vendor, um, which is really great. It just has an overall fantastic immersive quality to the to the visual experience and so that is caused by the screens that are you know the lenses that have been designed by valve it's it's also the um, you know the high resolution that I mentioned and then we have a manual IPD adjust added on which makes it much more comfortable for your eyes um, one of the reviewers actually said that his eyes finally feel comfortable in VR. It's like a warm bath for his eyes, which is it's so great to hear comments like that. Yeah, that's a great testimonial right there. Yeah, it's really great. So that's that's I think what really makes this headset sore and what you know drives a lot of people to it. That, you know, that's number one. Additionally, the the audio is really good. They're these speakers that were designed by Valve. It's really comfortable on your heads. Some headsets are very, very, very forward facing. And so you know it starts to hurt your head, your neck after a while but this headset is is you know relatively well balanced and pretty comfortable and then you know in terms of accessing your content it's compatible all your fun content that you that you want to access from steam is is easily compatible that's great i've had some vr headsets on my head and yeah you can't use them for more than 30 minutes before your neck gets sore so that's good to hear And what are companies like HP doing to improve the technology? I'm sure you're looking at both the usability and the experience of the headset itself, getting lighter, getting smaller, et cetera. You think back, you know, we're on only our third generation of headset. And when I think about where, you know, if you compare our first headset to this headset, it's night and day. Um, We have another headset that we're we're launching uh, soon this year that we've already announced called the HP Reverb G2 Omnicept Edition. And that takes, you know, this great headset with the great resolution and audio and comfort and adds to it. It adds to it on the hardware side, eye tracking, pupillometry, face camera, and heart rate sensors. So it, it, it adds to it the ability to use biometric data and add inputs from the person. So, well, and then we're going to, on top of that, so that's the hardware side. And then we'll have our, we'll be launching another software kits along with it. The starting, the first one that we're launching is going to be cognitive load. And so it's focused on people, you know, use cases of learning and development. And so imagine, you know, you're getting trained on how to fly a plane and, with the HP Reverb G2 Omnisub Edition will enable you to do is to customize that training for that individual student. So are they stressed out? Are they bored? Are they overwhelmed? And based on, you know, kind of where they are in that training, you can, you know, they're bored. Okay, let's put a 
flock of seagulls in front of their path, you know, so they have to pay attention and get back into the training. Or is it too much for them? Are they incredibly stressed out? Okay, let's, you know, take it down a beat. Um, and so you know, that's just one example of what you'll be able to do with that with that headset and its capabilities. But there, there's so many amazing examples of things you can do. So that's that's something that we have coming soon that we've already announced um, that we're really excited about as, as an example of you know helping the technology become smarter and smarter and helping user experience become better because it's more customized, which will drive the ROI and retention of the knowledge that people get and the, you know, the overall training to be that much better. That's great. That just sounds unbelievable coming from a little event director who's got some Oculus Rift headsets to play some games on her TV. (laughs) Um, So what's next for you, Joanna? You're an avid documentary maker. You've actually got a film in South by Southwest. I believe you won an award for your film Finding Pandora X. Oh, well, thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, I I had, you know, before I worked in television, even I had made a documentary way, way, way back about eating disorders um, that you can find on YouTube. And I've been working recently on a documentary about women in politics. We've had some amazing, amazing interviews. And so we're, we're working on that right now with a, with a fantastic team. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's already a lot. Too. <laughs> <laughs> You're just making some award-winning VR films and films on the side. No big deal. <laughs> well, it's been great learning more about the potential use of VR within the event space. I do think it's not an entertainment fad. It really has true potential like you said, to connect, collaborate and create. So thanks for coming on the show and I hope to see you soon. Yeah, I look forward to it. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I look forward to seeing you at an event soon in VR. If you loved or even sort of liked this episode, please subscribe and rate the podcast, which will hopefully become one of your faves. Stay tuned for more episodes that will give you great support and advice on how to navigate in-person, virtual and hybrid shows in case of an event.